You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and happy 4th of July weekend. It's Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. I'm Pete Sweeney. It was a good week at Arrowhead Pride. We took a break from the editor's show, but I had a nice conversation with Trey Wingo, former ESPN host of NFL Live and the NFL Draft, now working with the Pro Football Network. So we'll start you off there with a conversation on the legacy of Patrick Mahomes. We'll move on to Out of Structure with Ron and Matt, and they had a great talk on Chiefs superlatives ahead of the 2021 season, and that's at the 11-minute mark. And we'll finish up with show and BK about Travis Kelsey and the discount that he is for the Kansas City Chiefs. You can listen to that at the 33-minute mark. It's our head prize best of the week. Let's start with myself and Trey Wingo. Well, let's get into some Chiefs talk. And I think you always have to start with Patrick Mahomes. And you have had some great commentary on Mahomes over the past two, three years since he's been in the league. And I actually was able to pull two clips. I'm going to play them first. The first one dates back to uh, the Golic and Wingo days at ESPN, where you had a nice reaction to something one of your colleagues said. But do I think that Alex Smith, could have gone to the Super Bowl this year with that crew? Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. I yes, I do. Stephen A. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. They were down 24 to nothing. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear sweet Lord, mother of just, just for everybody to know, when oh Trey God. came in this morning, we all completely disagree with it. Trey vehemently. If, I, if I'm hearing it correctly, I want to make sure we all heard that he said if Alex Smith had these weapons. Right. They would have gone to the Super Bowl. Yes. Well, when do we tell them that Alex Smith had these weapons? So that was in the 2019 <laughs> run, which ended up with the Super Bowl champion. Oh my God! That and was this so... was this was last December on the SB Nation NFL show, which is in house here at Box Media and SB Nation, uh, where you talked a little bit about Patrick Mahomes and his legacy early on in his career. You know, I, I've said this for a while, and and uh, I, I really believe we're looking at the greatest to ever do it right now in Patrick Mahomes. So I think of the national names, you really feel like and you really come off as the biggest Mahomes supporter. What have you seen early on in his career that has led you to to this theory on him? I guess the easiest way to answer that is what haven't everybody else, what hasn't everybody else seen? I mean, his first year as a starter, he's the league MVP and he throws 50 touchdowns. Again, the complete list of players that have thrown 50 touchdown passes in a season, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning and Patrick Mahomes. Brady did it in his eighth eighth season. Manning did it in his 14th season, whatever it was, 16th season. He did it in his first. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, what do you want me to say? One, one of the things, and I, I, I wonder if you get a lot of this. 
I find it almost funny to listen to people twist themselves in knots trying to deny his greatness. Right. Like that's like the the the, the perceived interception stat or the you know should have been intercepted, which by the way, not a real thing. Okay. That's <laughs> you're making it up to begin with. But then my favorite part is well, they say, well, he would have had all these interceptions. Well, you know what? If D Ford hadn't gone offside, the Chiefs would have been a three straight Super Bowls. Doesn't matter. It happened. You know, that's the way it works. That's the way it goes. Um, and a lot of those interceptions that Mahomes throws, he knows they're on a penalty or it's at the right. end of the half or it's a heat. Like they never take that into consideration when they try and find these things that will disrupt what we should all be able to see with our eyes. It's not, I'm not giving you a metric. I'm not giving you some sort of statistical thing that could be manipulated or used one way or another. Just watch. And if you don't, understand it by just what you're seeing go watch tennis go play bocce because you're missing out on a really cool thing yeah you mentioned brady and i, I want to touch upon that because that was last year's super bowl matchup and a lot of people yeah. said okay this is going to have a grand impact on the legacy now with the clip we just played you were saying we may be watching the best quarterback the best player of all time that was from december before the Super Bowl, how much do you think the Super Bowl loss to Tom Brady? Now Brady's got seven. He's more. He's got more titles than the rest of the league and all the teams uh, individually. How much do you think that might impact Mahomes when it comes to maybe 15, 20 years down the line, considering him the greatest quarterback of all time? Well, there's two things that I, I want, want to address there. Number one, um, I'm not a ring counter. Like, okay. uh, you know, I, I don't need a Makes ring sense. to know that Dan Marino was one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. You know, I, I don't, I don't need that. A, a ring is a team win. Like a team wins games, a team wins a championship. And I defy anybody to go watch that Super Bowl and say, yeah, Mahomes was the reason they lost. I mean, my favorite clip coming out of that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55 was when they had all the wide receivers for the Bucks mic'd up whenever Mahomes was on the yep. field. Godwin, I and think, like, is among them. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, how did he do that? How did he get away from that? <laughs> Any other quarterback would have been sacked 15 times in that game. And that leads me to another point. The Bucks were the better team. They right. were. I mean, the Chiefs were the first team in the Super Bowl era to have two different starting tackles week one and also in the Super Bowl. That had never happened before, okay? So Vita Vea came back, and the entire offensive line for the Chiefs was banged up. It was a disaster. Right. It was good enough to get through everybody else. But those Bucks are a real physical football team. And, you know, there were a couple of things that happened in that game that I think might have flipped the script. If we don't have the penalty on Tyron Matthews' interception, or if they're not offsides on what would have been a field goal. And that led to a touchdown, I believe, yeah. right before the half. You know, things change. A game is like a river. You know, it flows along. And if you put a stick or something in it, it goes a different direction. So there's no part of me that looks at Mahomes' legacy and says it's going to be altered by that game. Now, you know, the best Super Bowl Tom Brady ever played, he lost. It was the Super Bowl to the Eagles, 52 yeah, uh, 41 to 33. He threw for 300 yards in the first half. He threw for 300 <laughs> yards in the first half. He statistically had his best game ever and they lost. So uh, look, there will, I'm, if someone wants to say Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback and is going to be the greatest quarterback of all time, I can't argue with that. It, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get around that. 
But if you're asking me who has the skill set to play it better and, and play it at a higher level right now, to me, that would be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I think a lot of Chiefs fans would agree with you. And I, I made the case here. In if Kansas. they don't, they should root for somebody else. <laughs> I've made the case here in Kansas City. I just think to an extent, the Super Bowl, and you understand why this is, because there's such a spotlight on the game. It's kind of made people forget just how good Patrick Mahomes is. And now the oh Chiefs have revamped this offensive line. And incredibly I, well. incredibly I think he, well. it's because of sometimes the chip he puts on his own shoulder. He's talking already about 20 and 0. I know that came out in an interview. And I think it's an easy MVP pick. Do you agree with that? I think every year he is playing, he's the prohibitive favorite to start yeah. as the league MVP. I mean, that's just as, as long as that team is around him. And, you know, going back to the Stephen A. Smith comment, whom I love, I love Stephen. <laughs> I know. But, you know, you know I, we had him on the show after that and said, you realize they had those players the, the previous year and they decided it wasn't good enough with a better running game at that point with Kareem Hunt, you know, who was the starting uh, running back that year. And it wasn't enough. So Andy Reid, don't take my word for it. Take Andy Reid's word for it. Um, he, he is he is the barometer every year. I think he's the barometer every year uh, as to who the uh, if you say the at the over under who should be the uh, you know the odds on favorite starting week one. It's going to be Mahomes. I know that the or I knew that the segment with Stephen A. Smith would be good because it always starts with I love this person, but I, <laughs> that's what ESPN and the mothership it, it does quite yeah. a bit. It it makes you guys you know say things and then you kind of react to one another, and I, I think that's sometimes the the beauty of ESPN, but I want to get back or to the detriment at times or the detriment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. I want to get back to some of the new stuff you're doing. And we talked about the half forgotten podcast. I uh, yeah. want to continue the conversation about Mahomes. I have another clip you recently had Alex Smith on. And yeah. I think what was eye opening is just him talking about the situation when they decided to draft Patrick Mahomes. Here's the clip. I knew even before we drafted Pat, like that, that was all communicated. You know, I, I knew all along what we were doing, why we were doing it. I also knew that I had, you know, uh, the you know, coach had, had given me 100% confidence. Like, I had the keys to the car that year. He was really, really smart, worked really, really hard, crazy uh, competitive. And, and, and I think it was really apparent that he could process information. Alex Smith, I think, is still beloved in Kansas City. There's a ring of honor Could here. Be. I tend to think yeah. he'll be in that ring of honor, just really turned around the franchise. And what was different in my understanding of the Smith situation is I thought he might have been a, caught a little bit more off guard. It seemed that way, at least at the beginning, going into training camp. But it seemed like this is something that he knew was a possibility. He knew was coming potentially on draft night. And I, I just think about the Packers this year, yeah. and it just seems like the organization handles and does things a little bit more of the right way. And, and you see some of the success because of that. And I, I think about that Alex Smith conversation, and that leads through right there. It's, it certainly does. And, you know, you mentioned the Packers. They've done this twice now. You know, uh, yeah. the late Ted Thompson, who was the general manager when they drafted Aaron Rodgers, we had him on the draft. And I said, did you tell Brett Favre you were going to draft a quarterback in the first round? He's like, no. Why would I do that? You know, I was like, <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. I mean, just, I mean, you're right. You know, you're the GM. Right. You can do whatever you want. But I, I think it does show uh, why so many people, outside of Le'Veon Bell, uh, love playing for Andy Reid. Um, because that's the kind of guy he is. He's very open and honest about how he deals and what his expectations are. And I think that it helped Alex uh, sort of cushion the blow. You know, I, I remember the first OTAs after uh, the draft in 2017 when they took and moved up to take Mahomes at 10. Uh, and, you know, Alex was being interviewed and it was almost like he knew 
right away. Yeah. This guy and I'm my, my, I'm done. Like after this year, I'm done. And I thought he handled that situation as gracefully as anybody could have. Yeah. Andy Reid will consistently say, and I'm sure you know this well, Patrick Mahomes owes Alex Smith a mansion for what he was able yep. to teach. And I, I think you see that even right now in Chicago, Matt Nagy, who came here to Chicago from Kansas City under Andy Reid. I, and, and I know people are saying, well, why is Andy Dalton the starter? seems like this is something that people are trying to repeat as they draft new quarterbacks, but it, it isn't a perfect science. And I think sometimes you get the backlash of that. Yeah, it's well, interesting, right? Because there's no, there's no formula. I mean, like right. Mahomes basically sat for a year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers sat for three. Most guys play right away. Don McNabb sat for a while. Um, but, the, you know, there, there's no formula if you draft a quarterback, this is the way it's supposed to go. In recent weeks or recent years, rather, it, it, we, we tend to see these guys out in the field a little faster, like Joe Burrow, you know, was there week one uh, last year after being the number one overall pick. But there's no formula. And I, and I think that, you know, it's interesting that Andy has done this a couple of times now, and it's, it's worked out to the success of the quarterback that they drafted and how well he eventually played. So that's what we're going to do today on the Outer Structure podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about some some wild, some really reasonable chief superlatives, and we'll see if we can get some unique takes on some uh, interesting questions. Ron, I'm going to start with you and say, who is the offensive lineman on the Chiefs most likely to score an offensive touchdown? Well, we saw Eric Fisher last year. He, he scored his touchdown off the team now, so he's, he was the obvious answer if he was still on the team. If you're following me on Twitter, you probably saw a tweet I posted on Tuesday morning about our guy Mike Remmers going out for a pass route last year against the Carolina Panthers. I honestly don't remember this play at all. I was just looking through film for some quarterback runs, and I happened to notice, wait, is that Mike Remmers out on a route right now? Actually drew a defensive holding penalty because uh, a linebacker tackled him as he was running, but uh, – yeah, so so Remmer's got to be the answer. It's funny because I, I saw other people on Twitter reply and mention that he apparently got injured a little before that as well uh, in the game. So Remmer's on the sideline, probably hurting a little bit. Andy looks at him like, hey, we need, you know, we want to run this play where I'm passing to you. You know, Remmer's didn't hesitate, grabs his helmet, runs on the field. You know, he, he's not missing his opportunity to get a catch. Didn't get it, but he still earned the offensive first down. I think Andy's going to gonna see that, remember that, be like, hey, I, I need to get him in the end zone, get him a, a touchdown catch. So I think the answer is Mike Remmers. Wait a second. You're telling me that last year this Super Bowl c- competitive team not only targeted Mike Remmers in the pass game, but they targeted injured Mike Remmers in the <laughs> pass game? Well, Remmers is like what, 30 years old too. It's not like he's a, a spring chicken either. Yeah. So Their so oldest – and and not their most athletic offensive lineman not only got a target but he got a target while fighting through an injury and he uh, drew, he drew a penalty through very tight coverage on the, from a linebacker yeah check it out on my twitter account if you haven't seen it it's actually hilarious uh, he flails his arms he sells it and everything it's good but i will say uh you know when you're talking about this subject it's, it really is only offensive tackles, I feel like. I mean, we haven't seen a guard go out for a pass. I guess we haven't seen a lot of offensive linemen go out for passes <laughs> in the Andy Reid era, but he's targeted Fisher and Remmer so far. So that you, means it's really the tackles that, that are up for the, you know, for the answer. You know, back in my flag football intramural days at the University of Missouri, 
um, there was a play where we would run the center right straight down the field and, and throw a pass to him. So maybe they figure out a way to get Creed Humphrey in the end zone, come up with some real creative way of, of, of titling that one. If anyone's going to do it, it's Andy for sure. <laughs> All right, here's another one. Uh, who's the defensive player most likely to get in on offense? I think there's an easy answer here, right? He's been he's been vouching for it. He's playing defensive end now. He got his wish there. And so Chris Jones, I think he was a high school quarterback too. Um, he, he would be the answer here, I would say. But I wanted to give another guy a shout out. And I'm sure you have maybe more on Jones. But I, I just wanted to say Derek Naughty, I feel like, should get some fullback reps or something. You know, the, the old Don Terry Poe at fullback. Just hand it off to him. Who's stopping him from getting a yard? going for it especially if he's going behind the, the big lining we got now so I think Naughty should get a chance yeah I can see that I could also see Chris Jones lobbying to be quarterback at least for one play on the goal line you know the most versatile player on the team I bet he could play offense if he wanted to the the honey badger Tyron Matthew get him in at receiver give him an end around or something uh, who's going to stop him yeah that is true and Tyron was the guy in college he was a kick returner too and everything um, you kind of just forget that he was ever like that. He used to be unstoppable with the ball in his hands. So I know he's older now, but hey, come on, get him, get him, get him a screen pass or something. Why not? Come on, Andy, yeah. creative for <laughs> once. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Especially if he's about to be signed long term, you know, you, you got him, you got him for a while. Just you got to test how his offensive feels sometime, right? All right. Uh, well, who's most likely on this team to get cut at least three times this season? The the CJ the CJ Spiller special. I went with Marcus Kemp on this one. I don't even know if he's going to make the official 53 man or the initial, I should say. Uh, he probably won't. He's the seventh receiver. I predicted it earlier in the offseason, but they're not going to keep seven receivers. I can't imagine. So I'd say Kemp just because I feel like he's going to be on the practice squad then maybe, you know, on another team. And all of a sudden we bring him back when he gets cut by that team. And then by the end of the season, he's back on the active roster. You know, maybe not as frequent as CJ Spiller. That was a pretty special case. But, uh, yeah, I think Kemp's the best candidate for this one. You know, Kemp has, has been part of a lot of Chiefs transactions already. A lot, it seems like. So so that's a that's a pretty obvious answer. I think that makes some sense. Maybe Jarek McKinnon ends up being the new C.J. Spiller as that yeah. extra veteran running back that they feel like they need, but sometimes they don't. Uh, I'm not sure that they'll cut him and re-sign him and cut him and re-sign him. That, that's probably not going to happen. But you could see somebody else from the running back room being an option. Yeah, I, I was going to say maybe Darwin, but at the same time, I think if the team cuts Darwin, I, I really feel like he'll get picked up. Another team will really want to try to test him out, his skill set. I think he's shown enough to where he can't just be stashed on the practice squad. Um, but he definitely could be a candidate too. All right. Who's the most likely to take a big step forward in their career this year? So this was an interesting one. I feel like there's a lot of candidates, obviously. Um, but I'm going to go with Juan Thornhill because when you say most likely – I think that's the key words here, you know, not who you hope for, not who it would be the biggest advantage for the Chiefs if they took a step forward. The most likely, we've seen Juan Thorno already play at a very elite level. I mean, honestly, his rookie year, he was one of the best young safeties in the league before he got hurt. And we kind of saw it coming back last year towards the end of the year, AFC Championship specifically. He was really good. He was all over the place. He was, I think, at four pass breakups, which is a lot for a safety. So I think Juan Thornhill, we could definitely, now that he's fully removed from that injury, a year removed away from that, I think we could really see him take that step and become a guy that we're thinking about extending next offseason. I'll throw in a sleeper at this uh, question. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say McCole Hardman. 
is the most likely to take a big step because he obviously is someone who we all hope takes a big step. And he's someone who most people would believe needs to take a big step uh, to get to where he should be at this point. But it sure seems like he's got the right attitude that he's focused and he does have some really unique ability on the football field. And with Sammy Watkins out of the way, he may have more opportunities to shine again. Don't get me into the, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, whatever debate, that doesn't matter. The fact is there are snaps and targets available and Hardman should be the most likely guy to scoop some of those up and make a big jump in production. Yeah, it's the opportunity, right? Like you said, it, it, he is the most likely chance to have the biggest opportunity. I mean, Thornhill is going to be a starter, obviously, too, but Storenson's still there. You know, he could take some snaps from Thornhill maybe. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think Nicole's a good answer. Who is the most likely to disappoint Chiefs fans this year? Man, this is tough too because I don't I don't want to say who I put down and make anyone think I'm not I'm not high on him. But when we're talking about most likely to make you feel disappointed this year, it's got to be Willie Gay, right? Because we're we're all kind of getting hyped for him. Everyone's kind of talking him up in OTAs and minicamp now. But we at the same time, what if we get to the season and he's not even playing that much? You know, he's not playing. You know, Neiman's still taking those snaps that we've kind of already said that Gay should be taking the snaps for him. And and maybe he's just not making as, as many as big of a contribution as we're kind of hoping for from the second year, second round linebacker. So I say most likely, you know, I don't want to see him disappoint, obviously, but the most likely one I feel like would be Gay. I'm going to go with the, another guy at a similar position. And the Chiefs' first draft pick this year, Nick Bolton. Okay. I just am not seeing a really clear path for him to get on the field with a significant chance to make an impact. I think Willie Gay is going to take that step. So I, I am optimistic that he's not going to be the one to disappoint us. I just think we may not see enough of Nick Bolton this year to get excited. Yeah. But, you know, and to counter your point, though, I, I think how, how, much, how much anticipation are we? do we have for Nick Bolton, you know, like, are we, are we expecting the big things from him anyway? So if he doesn't play, are we really disappointed or is it just kind of, you know, Hey, we know he's not going to play that much this year. We'll see him in 2022, that kind of thing. That's why I say gay, just because there is getting that hype where we're all expecting him to all of a sudden become, you know, one of the best linebackers on the team. And if he's not that, then there's going to be a lot of disappointment. That's fair. I just think expectations are always high with the early round draft picks and you want to see early impacts from them. You want to see why they felt the need to use a, a top, you know, top 60 draft pick on a guy. I, I think I think we're going to have to wait, and I think that's going to be disappointing to a lot of people. Yeah, I know what you mean. I also have McColl on this just because, you know, we all are – we're expecting big things from McColl for sure. I mean, that's there's no question about that. And if he doesn't take that step forward, even if he is pretty good this year but isn't you know, a, a, a really good player, I think people will be disappointed. So I, I think McColl is a good answer for it too. You know, that, that brings us to the next superlative. Who is the most likely to get targeted or embarrassed by the opponent? Um, we automatically think about corners when we say this, but it doesn't have to be a corner. Who do you got? Well, it's funny you say that because mine is a corner. Uh, you know, Traverius Ford's been a great player. He's been a, a, you know, for the Chiefs, you know, I wouldn't say in general, but He's, he's been perfect for his role, you know, being that outside corner, that steady presence. But we saw it last year against the Raiders at home. He got burnt a few times like like burnt toast, and it was not good. And 
he's not the type to really do well against faster receivers. And, and the Chiefs are going to be facing some some fast dudes this year for sure. And so, and like a Henry Ruggs was the guy who really burned – and Aguilar. I think both of them got him last year. So, yeah, uh, Ward is, is, is my pick for this. Who do you have? All the Ward slander, I don't like it. I'm going to go <laughs> – I'm going to go with the guys who are always targeted and embarrassed. Um, and I'm going to give you two of them here, straddling the fence, but it's Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman. Those are the two guys <laughs> yeah. when they're on the field, offenses throw their way, right? Like it's like, Oh, that, it's just, it's just an automatic check, right? You, whatever's going on on the field. You're like, Oh, I see 56. I'm throwing that way. Yeah. Sorensen has been targeted quite a bit in coverage over the, over his career. Uh, I clearly remember Darren Waller giving him the business last year, a few times in, in one-on-one coverage. So yeah, I actually had Nima as my other choice, but I figured, I, fi- I think Ward, I like my answer with Ward there, but yeah, I, I think you, I think you had some good picks there too, for sure. In, in a related question, who's the most likely chief that will make fans throw stuff at the TV in frustration? <laughs> So I'm, am I cheating here if I say Andy Reid? I, I think Andy is, is the easy answer for this, right? I, we all do it. We all are like, what are you doing, Andy? What is that play call on third and five? What are we, you know, it happens every time. And, and most of the time he makes us look stupid for, you know, because eventually these, these trick plays that sometimes don't work, they do work. And then he looks really smart doing them. But I definitely think, you know, it, it, it's every once in a while he, he runs, you know, hey, for example, Sammy Watkins gets – the ball tries to throw it to Mahomes 40 yards downfield or whatever. Well, it wasn't that far, but just a bomb to Mahomes in coverage. Like that's one of those where you're going to be throwing stuff at your TV. Maybe we'll see a little bit less of that with a less reliance upon the trick plays with, with a better offensive line. The more the, the more he has the ability to just run the ball right at somebody, get the first down, score a touchdown. Maybe they can back off on the ridiculousness a little bit here and there. But yeah, fans will always find something to be upset with Andy Reid about, whether it's clock management, personnel management, play calling. Like there's going to be something taking his foot off the gas, right? That's that's the narrative. Yeah, that, that's probably a pretty safe answer. I'm going to go with another safe answer, which is Demarcus Robinson. <laughs> yeah. uh, over, the, over the last couple of years, you know, it's just it's just bound to happen. He's going to be in the wrong place. He's going to drop a pass he should have caught. You know, so, something's going to go. He's going to fumble. He's going to run backwards on a punt return. Like something weird's going to happen when Demarcus Robinson is in the game, uh, and especially now that he may see even more snaps. Yeah, he was my other answer player-wise. Uh, we all recall. I mean, I, we may not recall. We might have buried it in our memories now. But last year, at the end of the first half against the Saints. For whatever reason, he starts running backwards into the end zone and then fumbles it out of the end zone. Yeah, that's that Robinson's an easy answer for that one. That was a bold strategy by Robinson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's okay. how that worked out for him. Luckily, All right, it um, didn't cost the game. Luckily, it did not cost them a win, but it definitely could have. It was a tight game. Who's the most likely to pull an Eric Fisher as well, right, and score a touchdown and chug a beer in the end zone with the fans or some other ridiculous celebration? So how have has Travis Kelsey not done this yet? How have we not seen Kelsey score a touchdown, go into the stands, grab someone's beer, and just – I mean, this is the guy. I mean, it's, it's almost like – it's surprising. It's very surprising that it hasn't happened yet. I, I'm surprised Fisher beat him to the, to the punch a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I can see that happening soon. Kelsey's got all these dance moves, but he's got he's to bring something else out for a touchdown celebration sometimes. So I bet that's the next one. You know – Kelsey certainly has the celebrations and the moves. 
I was listening to our friends on the great British Chiefs show. If you haven't done so, make sure you do it. This week, they talked a little bit about Travis Kelsey, and they called him a lightweight. They said he can't handle his beer very well, and wow. that uh, uh, that every time you see him, he's he's uh, in British terminology pissed, which means drunk in, in American. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that was ironic that they were they were questioning his uh, uh, his ability to drink large quantities of beer when Travis Kelsey. I'm pretty sure it drinks large quantities of beer, but I, I just think it's the, uh, the, they were making fun of the fact that it was Bud Light, which is not a real beer to uh, British folk. Yes, absolutely. No, I, I do. I do recall what you're talking about now. They were talking about tight end you and how in the videos behind Greg Olson trying to talk, he was just being belligerent a little bit. He didn't look that hammered to me, but <laughs> no, I don't I, know. I, I'm sure I he see, was feeling pretty good. I could see Kelsey being the one to chug a beer for sure. I could see, who are the other big trash talkers and, and guys who, who could put on a big celebration, somebody else who's due for a touchdown. I already brought him up on the offensive side. If Tyron Matthew gets a score this year, he's going to let people know about it. And, and that's going to set, that's going to rub somebody the wrong way. So I'm going to take Matthew probably to get flagged for taunting more so than chugging a beer in the end zone. But I, I think, I think he's going to let them know if and when he scores and it's going to be glorious. Yeah, I mean, the, the easy answer for the flag for taunting is Tyreek, I think, just because, I mean, the peace sign. and I mean, that's that's pretty standard right now. He's had some pretty epic celebrations. He's got the the jumping in the stands and taking over the camera yes. with, with the peace sign. He's done, he's done a few things there. Yeah, the next step is chugging a beer. I, I, don't, I couldn't see Tyreek chugging a beer, though, honestly. Probably, probably not. <laughs> All right, um, who is the player most likely to make a big play and have every fan – getting on the old Googler trying to figure out who he was because they didn't recognize the jersey number. I went with Jerk McKinnon here. I think we're going to kind of forget about him because we're all excited about Clyde and then we know Daryl. And then all of a sudden we're going to have a third down screen pass go for 30 yards and everyone's going to be like, wait, was that Clyde? Oh, that wasn't Clyde. That was, wait, who is that? And then, yeah, so we're going to kind of forget about McKinnon a little bit, you know, and, and this is me projecting McKinnon making the team. I know people think maybe Darwin would, would make it over him as well, but I think we know Darwin. I think Jarek's just would be a little like, oh, wait, who is that? Yeah, I'm going to go with Will Parks. Um, there we go. The defensive secondary. He could be playing all over the place a little bit. He's probably not going to have a big role, so you're not going to know him. He's not going to be a household name, but when he makes the play, you're going you're gonna to wonder, who that, who was that guy? Yeah, and, and he's number 20, and, like, the Chiefs haven't had, a like, a solid number 20 in a while, I feel like. Like, Hamilton was it last year. So, it's not going to be one of those numbers you recognize. You're just going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. You're going to be like, who, who is that? Who is the most likely to, get, to have a highlight reel from Patrick – a highlight reel pass from Patrick Mahomes, bounce off their face, and just blow it? Who's the most likely to waste an epic moment from Mahomes? Well, you named the main guy, I think, earlier when we are talking about, uh, you know, uh, Demarcus Robinson. Uh, I don't remember exactly why we were talking about him. Uh, oh, yeah, make, stuff, make people throw stuff at their TV. Yes. So this is kind of the same, same kind of question, but just because we've seen him do it before as well, I, I said Daryl. You know, I don't want to rag on Daryl uh, for the Super Bowl drop, but that was pretty embarrassing for it to go right, right off his face mask. Oh, man, that one hurt. Well, on that note, let, let's get right to one more, one more superlative, then we'll go to break. Let's make this one a little bit more positive, at least on the Chiefs' side. Who's the offensive lineman most likely to 
quote unquote, Eric Fisher versus JJ Watt, somebody. So if you remember, there's an epic highlight of Eric Fisher taking JJ Watt and just driving him into the turf. Yes, Watt was injured at the time, but don't let that take away from the fact that he, the disrespect shown to that man by Eric Fisher is something we, we remember for a long time. Who's going to do that this year? Yeah, that was a great memory. And I kind of went deeper on this because when you think about Fisher, when he did that, he wasn't a solidified player yet. You know, it was his third year in the league. He actually didn't start 2015 that season off. He didn't start as a starter. He was actually benched at the beginning of the year, kind of had to make his way back. And that was kind of a, a big moment for him kind of coming out party like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a player here. I'm going to be a good, uh, a good blocker for us here. So that's why I said Lucas Niang. Maybe Lucas Niang gets – and we've kind of heard Niang had a, a, a really good game against Chase Young in college. It's kind of his calling card right now uh, whenever people start talking about Niang. So maybe, you know, he, he we do play Washington this year, so maybe he has his chance against Chase Young. Uh, so, yeah, maybe he, he gets a, a good edge rusher and kind of dominates him for a rep because he's this big dude and – and we get that that still shot, just like the Fisher versus Watt. Well, that assumes a bunch of different things. One, that Lucas Niang actually starts yes. or plays. And and two, that he's able to physically dominate somebody. So that'll be interesting. It's, it's probably a little bit more of a long shot, but it's not a bad one. I, I guess I'll go with the more obvious choice in Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah. Just a massive human being. And he would love nothing more than to just absolutely take someone's soul. I think he said as much that that's what he loves about the offensive line position is just taking someone's will to compete and, and embarrassing them and, and, and putting them to the turf. So I think we'll see a couple of pancakes out of the big guy, even if he is wearing number 57. Uh, yeah. What a weird number, right? That's going to take So that's going to take me, take me a while to get used to, but. Hey, Chiefs do play Ravens week three. If, if there's any bad, bad blood uh, from Brown to the Ravens, that, that'll be the game to see that that moment happen. I guess. Who's the Ravens' big pass rusher that he's going to dominate this year? Well, they lost Judon, so I guess now they just have, like, Pius Bowser. And do we still have Pernell McFree, McPhee? I know he was a decent player for them. But, uh, they drafted a couple as well, if I remember correctly. So we'll yeah, see who the who, who's on the receiving end of the domination, but we can – all hope collectively that Orlando Brown Jr. is on the giving end of said domination. This is crazy. Kyle Pitts, the rookie from Florida, he was drafted for one of the highest tight ends ever drafted in the NFL. He became the highest paid tight end in terms of guaranteed money. Guaranteed money in the NFL. More than Kelsey Kittle, uh, Waller, whatever his contract is, the highest paid in terms of guaranteed money. It just brings up the point of how ridiculous, and, un- and I would say, not just in football, you could even argue in sports, the most underpaid position is tight end. Travis Kelsey, and we'll take him because we all know him very well, and I believe, with my money, the best tight end in the game. He is severely underpaid, severely underpaid. And he should be getting paid as much as Michael Thomas, who I know maybe a year or two ago set the, the wide receiver market. It was making 20 plus Hopkins, I think, went over him like Travis Kelsey is as valuable as any of those top receivers. He's has as much an impact as any of those receivers with his quarterback. And listen, I think the difference that many people would look at BK 
uh, inserted with with tight ends is maybe they're not as big play capable as wide receivers and they don't score as many touchdowns and big plays and change the game like that. Well, I disagree. When you compare, especially when you compare Kelsey to somebody like like Michael Thomas and Hopkins, like he's as big play threat as those guys are. And especially when you take into account the matchup problems that he causes with with safeties or linebackers, like he he's a big play as much as they are waiting to happen because his matchup is a bigger advantage. So uh, like when I look at a guy like Travis Kelsey, I mean, he should be getting paid as much as Tyreek, you could argue. He should be getting paid as much, especially as Michael Thomas, because I mean, he is he is every bit as valuable as those guys. Yeah, it's amazing. When you look at the the cap hit for Travis Kelsey, for 2021, he's going to be at $7.5 million, which is insane. I mean, a lot of the top receivers are closer to 20. Next year, he's at 9, and then it shoots up to 14, 16, 18. Even at the end of that deal, in 2025, when Travis Kelsey is 36 years old, and he probably won't see the end of that deal, let's be honest here. He'll either get extended and it'll go down, or he'll be done. Um, he, he's still making less in any given season than some of the top receivers around the league. I'm with you, Ron. I think Travis Kelsey is one of the most valuable non-quarterbacks in the league. I think you can make a strong case, and I would make the case that he's the second most irreplaceable player on the Chiefs number one's obviously Pat the, the position we don't there's not even an argument to be made there I think the question is like two through five or so what goes on that list I would have Kelsey number two I think I'd go Tyreek three Orlando Brown four and Tyron Matthew five I could listen to an argument for Chris Jones Chris being Jones in that top in five as well but I think that's pretty clearly for me my top six Mahomes, yeah, he, Kelsey, Tyreek, Brown, Matthew, and Jones. Yeah, I, I used to be one that thinks, boy, Tyreek, and I still do, he affects so much coverage and makes things so much easier. But Kelsey in the middle of the field does too uh, in a major way. And there are just many times where you just can't leave him alone. You've got to to double him because he will kill his matchup even just as bad as Tyreek will kill his matchups. And they still develop into big plays, especially when they do so many things and spread him out um, like they do. And, and I think another thing with tight ends, which like, this is something that the Patriots have taken advantage of for years. They've just under, under had to never had to really pay the value of Rob Gronkowski, even though he was a number one receiving threat, just like anybody else anybody else's other top receiver, Julio, uh, whoever at that time. And they just got to pay him low amounts of money to really spread around other parts. And if I, like, I know Kelsey and them have to go with it because of where the market is set, but like that, that is something that I would look to change over the next 10 years. Because another thing is tight ends seem to be able to maintain their uh, dominance even longer than wide receivers like we're talking about Kelsey into 36 37 38 like I think he's still going to be highly effective into his mid to late 30s in a way that receivers aren't like I don't think he's going to fall apart or or look completely different like a Larry Fitzgerald does up into his 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 30s and I think Waller I would put in that that category out of uh, out of LA or uh, Las Vegas uh, obviously uh, George Kittle Maybe there's some others. I like Jonu Smith. I don't know if he's quite up there with them, but those guys are are as effective 
to me as some of these wide receivers. You can't sell me that Stefan Diggs, and I know he's good. You can't sell me he's more valuable than Travis Kelsey. You just just can't at all to me. And even if you wanted to try, I mean, the list of receivers that's up there is not more than five deep. And there's more than five guys making significantly more at the receiver position than what Travis Kelsey is at. I mean, last year, Travis Kelsey was second in the league with 1,416 yards. Second. Like, forget position. Skipped a game. And he skipped it. (laughs) Yeah, it's insane. If you're looking at targets, he was top seven in the league. Um, what he did last season in particular was he became automatic. It's third and five. You need five yards to clinch the game. You're going to Kelsey because he's going to get it for you. He's going to, he's going to do that little button hook. He's going to stop right in front of the linebacker. You know exactly where it's going. The defense knows where it's going and they can't stop it. There's nothing they can do to stop it. And that's, what's become so special about Kelsey early on in his career. He was more of a big play threat. Like that's kind of what he was as a player. And as he's kind of progressed, he's almost, and I know we've we've kind of brought up LeBron's name too many times probably in this podcast, but it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> it is what it is. He's kind of become LeBron in that he dictates the speed of the game in a way that's really fascinating. Like Kelsey can speed up and slow down in a way at his age that's really unique. And it kind of brings me back to, I think it was before the 2019 season, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he had that ankle surgery. And he had said the year prior that he was just never truly 100%. And I wonder if what we watched last year was for the first time in a few years, Travis Kelsey at 100%. And man, that was special to be able to watch. And I hope we get to see more of that as he continues. Yeah, it just it's just crazy. There's no way Kyle Pitts should come in and get more guaranteed money than those guys. And they've got to take a look at that because like I said, Travis Kelsey making 13, 14 per compared to Michael Thomas making 20 plus is crazy to me. Everything you just stated is what Drew Brees would look for with Michael Thomas and what Watson and Kyler Murray look for with DeAndre Hopkins. And it's the same thing that Patrick Mahomes does with, with, with Travis Kelsey. And it's, I also think by the way, Kelsey deserves, like if you're a chiefs fan, Kelsey deserves a little credit as well. I think he's taken a little bit of an under market value deal pretty much every time he's come up. And we don't talk about him that way. We normally talk about the quarterbacks as guys that are willing to take a hometown discount. I think Travis Kelsey did it, not just once, but twice in his Chiefs career. I don't think he's going to be a guy that ends up holding out. He's really never been anybody that's spoken publicly about that stuff in the past. I think what you're seeing is this is going to probably be the final contract, or maybe he gets one more, um, and he's happy with where he's at. So he's making $14 million per season, and I don't think you're going to hear him complaining about it, which is awesome. And I remember when Kelsey signed this last extension that uh, I remember Joel Corey like flat out stating his agent should be pissed. Like, there's no way his agent agreed to this deal. Travis Kelsey cut the Chiefs a deal, and that's apparent based on what he's getting paid now. No, yeah, it, it's 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 insane. So, yeah, that's that's just that's just ridiculous to me. Kyle Pitch, gotta be kidding me. He hasn't even done a damn thing in the league yet. Uh, it's just maybe Mel Kiper Jr. got him. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. 
it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.